Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to question an unquestioned detail from our gospel story tonight, a familiar story, and it might be the most unquestioned detail of all, which is this. God came as a baby. God came as a baby. Now, don't misunderstand. I'm not questioning that it happened. I believe that with all of my bones. I believe very deeply in the incarnation of God coming into human flesh. I'm not questioning that it happened. My question instead is this. Why? Why did God come as a baby? Because we need to realize it didn't have to be that way. I mean, he's God. He can do it however he wants, right? That if he is resolved to come and to, to reconcile creation to himself, he could do it however he darn well pleases. The theologians tell us that he had to take on our human flesh in order to bridge that gap, and fair enough, I think that's a good point. But even if that's the case, then he could have come as a, a full-grown adult. Think of how it was with Adam, with the first man. When he came, he didn't come as a baby. He came as a full-grown man. If God wanted to come as a human, he could have come as an adult like Adam. And that's if he was going to come at all. He didn't have to do that, right? He could have just ghosted us after all the stuff that humans had done for him, to him for centuries and all of the, the sin and all of the rebellion. God could have just said, you know what, you guys? Forget it, all right? Good luck. Figure it out for yourselves. But he, he doesn't do that. He pursues you and me. Come searching and seeking after us. And he does it as a pants-pooping, gurgling little baby. Why would he do that? What is God trying to tell us about himself and what this good news is that he comes to bring by coming in just this way as this infant newborn king? And I got to admit... <clears throat> It kind of complicates matters further. When I think back to my own experience as a parent, as a, a parent the first time of my son, and the, the first experience that I had with my baby, and I think many parents have the same experience, which is that when you encounter that baby for the first time, it's terrifying. I remember the moment when we're at the hospital, when my oldest son, Sam, was born, and, you know, it was, it was a good birth, it was a healthy birth, and so, you know, they kick you out of the hospital in, like, two days, right? They're like, hey, it's great to have you, you know, here's how you do the diaper thing, here's how you do a baby burrito, and uh, there you go. And so I remember that going through the spiel, and, you know, my eyes are just kind of glazed over, and the nurse handing me this little life, and looking at me and saying, good luck. And it was that feeling of like, what have I gotten myself into? I think a lot of parents have that experience of just abject terror. You say, well, that couldn't really be what God wants to say by coming as a human. But did you notice the first knee-jerk reaction of the shepherds when the angels come to them? What's their first reaction? Fear. Or in the words of St. Linus, who puts it in you know, King James English and uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, they were sore afraid. Literally, they feared a great fear. Ah! And granted, that was just at the angels coming to them. That wasn't even getting into the fact that it was a baby yet. But even still, I think we have to recognize that this Jesus, when he comes, it's not just some sentimental scene as the, the birth is so often painted where Jesus is in a Thomas Kincaid picture, you know, and there's the light coming from the stable and 
Oh, look at the cows are there, and isn't it sweet? No, King Herod is already plotting to kill him. There is spiritual cosmic warfare all around here. Jesus, when he grows up, he's going to come to his own. His own are not going to receive him. Make no mistake, this is a terrifying story in many respects. And so if this is what God is telling us, well, it makes sense. But no, ultimately, I do not believe that this is why God comes as a baby to scare the living daylights out of us. Nor do I think that that is the only or even the primary experience that most parents have when they first meet their baby of just terror. No, I think there's something more going on here. Something more beautiful and something even more elemental. And it's hidden right there in plain sight in in the narrative itself. So those angels come to the shepherds, and the shepherds, again, they fear a great fear. But then what do the angels say after, of course, reassuring them, don't be afraid. Doesn't this always happen to us? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You don't have to fear. We've got good news for you. And what do they say? We have good news of a what? Great joy that will be for all the people. Great joy is why he came. And you know, it's almost like, it's almost like as we go about our lives, and you go about your human life and day to day, and it's pretty good, you know, you've got good days, bad days, happy, sad ones, and generally it's all right, and you think, okay, yeah, this is life, it's, it's okay. But then you have a baby, or a grandbaby, or you even just encounter a baby on the street, and it's almost like this joy cheat code, right? Like there are suddenly these deposits of joy that you didn't even know were possible. It just opens up all of a sudden. And here God is coming to us as a baby, as if to say, guys, this is what the story is all about. It's about great joy for you and for all of us. And if you don't believe me, listen, guys, you've just got to follow the, the strain, the story of the scriptures. It's there from beginning to end when you have eyes to see it. The angels announce it. I have good news of great joy. Jesus goes about his ministry proclaiming a kingdom of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. St. Paul tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's everywhere we look that this is part and parcel of what it means to live in this Christian life. And indeed, Christ Jesus himself, as he goes around announcing that kingdom, of God and announcing that joy, he says, this is why I came. He tells his disciples this, so that my joy might be in you and that your joy might be made full. Until finally, when he needs to turn his face to Jerusalem and he sees what awaits him there, the suffering that awaits him there, does he go and do it as just some kind of sad dreariness? No. But the book of Hebrews tells us, for the joy set before him, Christ Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. And I think Jesus was even hiding it there in plain sight again when he told one of his famous parables, one of his stories of this romantic man who was out searching for a treasure, and he finds a treasure in the field. And when he does, what does he do? He goes and sells all that he has from joy in order to purchase that field. This is our Lord Jesus. It is joy from beginning to end until finally at the last, at the end of days, the summons that you and I will hear from our Savior is this. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the what? The joy of your master. The gospel 
is the joy story. That is the bottom line here, folks. The basis of the baby is the great joy that is for you and that is for all people. But I can sense at this point an objection arising. And the objection might go something like this. Okay, pastor, good news, great joy. That might be a story and a message that makes sense at Christmas 2019. But this is 2020. And listen, great joy seems like a luxury right now because we are going through dark and difficult times. How can you be talking about joy? It's like offering a a filet mignon to a starving man or some hot cocoa to a guy who's dying of thirst in the desert. That's nice, but that's not exactly what I need just this moment. We're just trying to survive, let alone talking about great joy. And you Christians, uh, you Christians, sometimes sometimes it seems like, you know what, you've just got some kind of cheap cheerfulness. That's right. You don't even really see the problems in this world. You act as though they're not even there, and you just put on the happy face. Everything is so good. None of you guys are like that. But you know people like that, right? And I will concede and confess to you. Well, first of all, yes, these are dark and difficult days. We don't have to deny that, neglect that, ignore that, pretend as though that didn't exist. And I know that sometimes, as Christians, yes, we just put on the happy face. Everything is good. Life is so happy, yes. But that's not the great joy that Jesus brings. There's more to it than that. It cuts deeper than that scene. The great joy that Jesus brings is not just some cheap cheerfulness. It's not just a a rosy-eyed optimism that papers over all the problems in the world and acts as though the darkness was not there. No, that is not the joy that Jesus brings. It's not just saying, hey, problems, we don't see any problems. And then like a kid trying to clean his room, just stuffing everything under the bed. Was there something wrong? Nothing to see here. No, the joy that Jesus brings, the message of this night of Christmas is a defiant joy, see? It is a defiant joy, not in place or not pretending that the sadness isn't there, but it is a gladness amid sadness, see? It is an exaltation amid tribulation. It is a deep-seated, defiant joy because it is founded in the manger of our Lord. It is rooted in the wood of his tree on the cross. And it is finally founded in the empty tomb because our joy is grounded in Christ Jesus because it flows from him. Then nothing in this life, no matter how dark, no matter how despairing, is ever able to take away that joy from us, see? It is founded on a a bedrock that cannot be moved. It is unshakable, unbreakable, fixed for you and me in Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. That's the defiant joy, the great joy that is ours in Christ. And it's a joy that can only come on the far side of suffering and struggle, and pain. I want to leave you with a a story of a a couple of friends of mine. I'll call them Ben and Kara, who had to learn this lesson the hard way. I married Ben and Kara a number of years back. 
which always sounds weird. I personally did not get married to them. I was the pastor. I brought them together in holy matrimony. Married them, and uh, shortly thereafter, Kara went to the doctor and found out that in all likelihood she would not be able to have a baby. She would not be able to conceive. And they were just absolutely heartbroken about this. They were so looking forward to, to starting a family, and so they prayed. We prayed together and looked forward to the Lord to do a miracle in their lives and, and to make this little baby possible. And lo and behold, not long after their, their uh, wedding, Kara comes up and says, I'm pregnant! And we rejoiced. We were so excited. We were thrilled. But a little while after that, she lost the baby. And some time passed. And again, she got pregnant again. But this time, we said, okay, we're excited, but we're going to curb our enthusiasm. We're not going to get our hopes up. And she lost that baby, too. We were getting so frustrated. I was getting so upset with the Lord. Like, okay, Lord, can we please work this out? You promised good news of great joy. We're not seeing the great joy here. And finally, they got pregnant a third time. And third time's a charm, right? Or three strikes, you're out. And sure enough, even though it looked like it was going along fine, they made it through the first trimester I got a call from Ben at 14 weeks, 14 weeks, and said, we lost this one too. And my heart was broken. It was broken for them. It was broken for our world. Why did these sorts of things happen? Where is this joy that you have promised, Lord? Why do we have to deal with all of this pain? Well, Ben and Kara ended up moving on. They went overseas, and I kind of fell out of touch with them. For a couple of years. But after some time, just out of the blue, I get this phone call, and it's Ben. And he says, hey, Pastor, I know we haven't, we haven't talked for a while. I was going to call you sooner, but I just, I didn't want to get your hopes up. And here I am on the other end of the phone, like, yes, what are you going to tell me now? And he says, Pastor, I know it's been a really hard few years for us and for you. I just wanted to let you know that uh, last night, Kara had a, a healthy, happy baby boy. And we went on to talk a little bit. And Ben confided in me and he said, Pastor, I got to tell you now, I was so angry with God. I was so angry with God for the longest time, not understanding what he was up to, why this was happening to us. But he said, now I get it. When I look into the face of my little boy, now I understand this joy is worth it for all that pain. And so it is for you and me. And that's what this night is all about. That there is a great joy that cannot be taken away by whatever darkness the world may hold, Christ Jesus is the light of the world, the light that no darkness can overcome. And he has given you, to you and me this joy, this great joy that is incorruptible, unbreakable, because it is grounded and rooted in him, this defiant joy. So that even though in this life tears are often our companion, those tears of sadness will not always be there. It will be a tears of a different sort. That finally, in the end, when Christ Jesus comes and restores 
restores all things as he has promised. When we hear that summons from our Lord, the last word, the very last word of it all, it finally belongs to joy. Joy to the world. For the Lord has come, even as a baby. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to sing.